You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Say you're a professional landscaper. You're not just tough, you're professional grade, and so are your tools. Because you got best-in-class Echo X-Series products. You got a perfect balance of power, weight, and performance from a professional-grade 56-volt battery system. Max-out battery tech that gives 100% power till a 0% charge. Echo X-Series means best-in-class tools for best-in-class pros. So when we say Echo is professional-grade, we mean it. Echo. Power on and on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and talk with a battery specialist, you need to do that because these guys are very knowledgeable about every kind of battery, hence the name Interstate Batteries, from your truck to your trail camera to your rangefinder. Any battery that you need, these guys can help you find. Even if it's a specific, unique, one-off battery, these guys can help you find what you need. If you want to find out more information on Interstate Batteries, about their brand, about their history, about the company in general, and all the batteries they offer, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Here we go. Podcast 285. Yuppers. Habitat breakdown, farm breakdown, uh, eastern Missouri. Just about as easy. Shout as we out get. to John. John, if you're on the river, listen to the podcast. We appreciate you um, following along, and then of course getting allowing us to work with you on your property. Um, not too far, we'll say on the shores of the muddy Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. too far. Well. Shores, it was almost cliff, what it looked like on the map. Well, I mean, Shores he, sounds a little better. <laughs> <laughs> sounds a little less intimidating. The breaks of the river. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to break down some key points, takeaways from his property that everybody can utilize on yours. Or if you're looking to purchase uh, a property, this is kind of helping um, avoid these, uh, avoid any of these mistakes that might happen with the overall layout. Access being hugely important. Paramount. And on that point, just uh, kind of a reminder to you guys that Matt and I are both licensed agents here in Missouri, but we can help you anywhere in the United States. Help you find a property. Uh, may not. It may be working specifically with us on a uh, on a search, or it may be working with us and another agent to find the property. And Cur- um, currently, we've got 
multiple property searches going on from Kansas, Oklahoma to Virginia and and Tennessee, um, and and a couple states in between here in Missouri as well. Um, so there's a lot of searching, a lot of properties <coughs> to to examine. So we cover the basis across the board here with multi-use properties and recreational properties. There you go. Yeah, and so, so uh, Mr. Craiglow. Yeah, Mr. Craiglow. It was fun um, seeing his place. Before yeah. we jump into it, though, uh, last week we talked about our plant. Oh, that's right. Plant. Yeah, yeah cover so that. Cover we that. had several guys send us some photos. Some of my favorites, uh, Pitcher's Leather Flower down in mm-hmm. Texas was a really cool one. We had a couple guys send Jack in the Pulpit. Yep, um, that's a neat one. Had a guy send... Man, what did he send? He sent over one that was like, um, and th- this is we last week we sh- we asked for people to send us. Cool I'm gonna plants. send some hats to some of these guys. Cool plants. Some guys sent return. over ones that I've seen before, and I was like, that's awesome. Not gonna get you a hat though. <laughs> <laughs> well, the hat uh, Nazi over here. Yeah, <laughs> these things ain't free. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, I was trying to trying to find a trying to find the guy who sent me the other one that was pretty cool. Um, Joe Pied Weed mm-hmm. was another one that got sent over. It's a pretty one. Yeah, it is. Um, I've seen that up in Ohio and uh, Pennsylvania quite a bit. Downey's Skull Cap was another mm. one. Um, yeah, and then we had one guy send us one from out in the pre- uh, Flint Hills. Yeah, uh, that's the one I'm trying to because I had not seen this one. Um, that's why I was trying to pull it up here because it was like, oh, that's I cool. That's something special. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, Matt, what are some of the flowers that you've found in the past that you've been like, man, that's really that's really cool. Oh, gosh. I'm horrible at recalling names. Um, yeah, there's Jack in the pole, but I'm looking at some of the pictures mm, that people have sent over. Um, always like the cardinal flower. That that one's that one's always cool to stumble upon because it's such a it's such a, a fragile one. But and it's always. Well, not always, but typically closer to some uh, wetter soils. And so it's like, ooh, when I find stuff like that, it's like I I know this one is rare to find, but it's even to to see that, like, the riparian area is that intact um, seed bank-wise, it's always encouraging. So I like seeing that. Yeah, we got blood root yep. sent over. Uh, There's just so many I'm sitting here going, yikes. Some Some of the stuff, man, it's so hard to – it's a good Recall reminder too of the fact that Oklahoma, I've got Kansas, a few messages I got to re- respond to. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I wish I could find it. it was blue something. He may have sent it through Instagram, and I and I totally was planning on having this ready, but I totally forgot till um, till we got here. But um, yeah, we've got way too many messages for me to find. So uh, that was really cool. Uh, and, and so some of you guys are going to get hats. So be watching your inbox to see uh, if I respond and ask for your address, and I'll send you a hat. Um, yeah, appreciate the, the interaction because, like we talked about on the other podcast, we went through a lot of, and we're, we're going to continue through a series all about vegetation um, yeah. and, and plant species. So that's uh, that's going to be cool to see. Um you know, I just I love I love people getting focused on um, plants because this is where this is where like habitat management, the rubber meets the road for improvements. Um, it's it's not going to come from other anything else besides managing 
for for diverse plant communities on a, on a given property, and so to see people engaged on um, plants and trying to identify and learn them is fun. It's nerdy, but it's fun, and Absolutely. it makes the difference. It helps you create a, a landscape that's performing better peak performance um, i think of like the oil companies right well that's what i was peak just thinking like if you know your truck and you know you know you're driving down the road and it makes a little bit different sound you're like that's not right i better take it to the shop and you avoid those costly mistakes yeah. of going oh that check engine line actually did mean there was something wrong <laughs> but i drove it for too long and now i need to get a new engine yeah um and so Learning your plants, learning your property can create a much uh, more productive landscape. But Without a doubt. Um, so we're going to jump into this podcast this week, Mr. Craig Lowe, about 100 acres just off the banks of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the common things that we see, specifically access being one of the most important things on John's property. Okay. Obviously, we're talking river breaks. Yeah. So when you hear river breaks, <coughs> you should understand that we've got some some changes in elevation. Well, and I think it's important, too, um, growing up on, on the East Coast in Virginia, river breaks wasn't a term that was extremely co- like common out there. Gotcha. And so, like, river breaks, you think of or you hear, um, you know, the Missouri River breaks or yeah. the... the um, um, uh, North Platte or Mississippi River breaks, all those. You terms. think about like <coughs> Montana. Up yeah, north. yeah, yeah. You you kind of envision those, but just river breaks. There's a couple places in West Virginia where you you'll hear the term uh, gorge, um, but a lot of times there's not this just distinguishing f- massive river system back east that the term river break was was commonly used um and so if you're unfamiliar with that essentially just an, a lot of topography where uh, in, in close proximity to a river like yeah i, I guess that's just the most simple the way flooding, to put it. flooding doesn't occur there as common it's it the high banks of the river yeah. essentially yeah um i'll describe it and there'll be a lot of guys that probably so about 100 acres 98 percent of it is forested Okay. Lots of elevation changes. Yep. So access is limited to ridge tops and slopes that allow for a, a, a lower grade. Like a um, spine a, of a ridge yeah, or, right. or a little elevator ridge saddles, that feeds down. So, benches. You know, there's a lot of guys who have a property very similar to that. So where many. how do I manage the side slope of a ridge yeah. to, to benefit my wildlife? Yeah. And so uh, that's one thing that we talked about with John's property is – is uh, just the overall um, maximizing each acre to where he's not paying taxes or uh, he's not uh, he wasn't paying a down payment or paying off an annual payment for acres that he doesn't get to utilize, and so that work for his goals. Even yeah. if he may not be able to hunt it, he can access it and manage it, and harvest deer or turkeys so, elsewhere. So the idea is to just bring deer and put them in places that you can't access during their bedding time or when they're bedded down in the day and then have it to where they're coming up to areas that he can access to to hunt successfully. Because, I mean, if anyone is familiar with hunting topography, the immediate thing is 
thermals <laughs> and wind swirls. Like that that's something Especially that in those steep oh. steep ones like that. The wind swirls like crazy. Swirls on days that it shouldn't swirl. It's like this you can't have lower wind speed days because or if you do you're you're hunting topography features where things are dropping off in, in different ways and it's all kind of a thermal game. But then on high wind speed days, the wind is just going to swirl unless you're on the absolute ridge top. Yep. And hopefully that matches your access point for that for that specific wind. And if not, then man, you might be sitting out. Like yep. it just it, it becomes difficult on on uh wind speed days in in extreme topography. Here's a question for you, Matt. Okay. <coughs> if you buy a property or yep. you're looking at buying a property and it's shaped like a rectangle. Yes. Where and you can only have one access no, point. No, don't do that. One access point. What part of the farm would you be like? That's ideal, and that's the least ideal. Obviously, that's a complex question. Not knowing yeah. the topography—I mean, the topography or habitat—but um, ideal habitat doesn't matter. <coughs> We're just ideal? talking about prevailing wind coming in. I, I'd like to come in on the eastern side. Yep. I, I would try and and not come in on the western or north side. So here in the Ozarks, because prevailing wind is going to be a little bit different for each person. Yep. I would say my least favorite place to enter a property because if I bought the property for deer hunting, knowing that season opens September 15th here in Missouri, closes January 15th, during that time frame, the prevailing wind, although it, this year you could have, you could have convinced me that southeast wind was the prevailing wind. My least favorite way of entering the property is northwest corner. Yeah. Because on the good days, typically a northwest wind or a north wind is cold is fronts. the most common, cold fronts. Yep. And so when the times are really good, I don't want to go in with the wind at my back. And so Northwest Wind is not my ideal place. My ideal place would be the southeast corner. But anywhere on the east side is is ideal. Yep. Uh, if if I'm limited to one, I would rather enter from the east with the wind coming from the west typically. Um, so that's ideal. Yep. John's property, we're entering from the northeast corner. North, that's northeast, why I okay. ask you that yep. because access is is a little bit problematic on his place. And that's his only option. That's his only <coughs> option. Okay. It's landlocked all the other places. There's yep. one spot in the northwest corner that's like it looks like it's 56 yards I think on Onyx from the corner of his property oh. to the road. Yeah. But the guy won't won't, won't access. Won't allow it. It. Won't, access. Won't allow it. So Got it. Um that's where I'm like, well, that's that's pretty crucial if there's ever a property to buy, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um and so there it is. Um, okay, so we got a northeast northeast entrance. entrance. Come in, and he's got a little cabin or yep. a, uh, a little like Shed. hub place, yeah, a yeah. little two cargo, <laughs> yep. two cargo things, uh, fire pit. That's where they kind of all nice. hang out. Okay, and so you're in the very northeast corner. Um, then from there the roads go, and so you have the ability to move around, but it's. I only ask you that because. That's what people ask us a lot oh, in, yeah. the, in the purchasing of a property or totally. trying to find. It's totally. like, I really only have access from this corner. And sometimes we're like, how high does access rank? Well, I know it's pretty important. Yeah, us too. That's not the property. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because, and, and if you buy that property, then. That's a challenge right No up, matter right how up. great we make this place. Right out of the gate. The wind's coming in from the west. Did, and you, did you catch that? 
what? I said that's a problem right out of the gate. There you go. Get exactly. It? That was a good dad joke. <laughs> um, that's why I didn't even laugh. You didn't even hear me. Dude, that's a good one. <laughs> it Seriously. Was, it was too good of a pun for me to even catch it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's that's access. We talk so much about it, why it's important. Yeah. And on this property, you're going to hear me discuss the standpoint of food plots. And it's 100 acres, man. Or right. Give or take. And so we're talking, I want as many acres of a food plot as possible, <laughs> right? Yeah. But... The way this property sets up is you've really got two main ridges. Sure. Um, it, it, it's technically one main ridge with a couple of fingers. Okay. And like a so sp- splinter off in a different direction. Yeah. <clears throat> and so there's one main ridge that kind of cuts through, you know, southwest corner, going northeast, and then yep. it turns and goes back southeast, and then a little finger cuts off and goes kind of east northeast. Okay. And so the rest is pretty steep. Um, like steep where you're not going to be driving a UTV on absolutely it? Absolutely not. Okay. If, if, right. if Certainly not plantable. Certainly not, not workable from that standpoint. It's just even tough to drive. That's right. So so steep, steep areas. So right off the bat, right, you know. 540 foot down to, well, four, almost. So it's about 100, 200 foot elevation change. Okay. Um in, in short amount of time. In short amount of time. So yeah. so then, obviously, they're flat, plantable, I'm air quoting, acres. Are it's very minimal. Very minimal. Because they're very small, if you know anything about, like, river break type stuff. It's, Narrow. We're not looking at plateaus. We're looking no. at very almost eroded type hillsides where it may be 100 yards in the very best spot. But mm-hmm. in this place, you know, we're talking – from the flattest flat spot, maybe 60 yards. Gotcha. Before elevation has fallen off fallen. on both sides. Wow. So very, very no- narrow. And if that's your access to be able to traverse across that 100 acres, you know, that doesn't leave much room to be able to access and then not interfere with food plot plantable acres. That's right. And so the big thing is if you look at it from a standpoint of going, okay, if I want to hunt the west side of the property, because it's a rectangle going east-west, and if you enter from the northeast and you're wanting to hunt the southwest corner, you've got to drive that one main ridge to get there. Sure, yeah. Because you can't go through the valleys or you'll roll. Uh, the UTV mm-hmm. would roll, I'm not even joking, would roll end over end if you time tried to. Time and time again. <laughs> yeah, in certain places. Yeah. So you're going to access that main ridge. Okay. That main ridge not being very wide. So even if you put in food plots, that's where going, should we put in more food plots? There's at times he may have four guys hunting this property. Wow, okay. And yep. so yep. you're trying to limit the disturbance so deer feel safe to where they're going to move during daylight, but still allow plenty of hunting opportunities Yep. to where everybody's got a chance of good, seeing a good deer. Nobody's getting gar hold, yeah, for and sure. nobody's hunting the... The hole that's been ridden too long. But, you know, you don't go to the duck blind that's got holes laying all over it, and you're like, this is the duck hole, and it's been hunted out. Yeah. But this is the only place for me. So you're like, well, dadgummit, um, this is where I – this." so we're trying to we're trying to fix that problem. And so like, – like You're trying to spread the wealth, right? Yeah. Stand opportunities that make sense with the access. Spread the wealth, yeah. And – like, yeah, like I said, you don't this want to only time somebody. I'll say this is a good idea. Spread the wealth. <laughs> um, and so 
you basically are sitting here going, okay, let's look at this from an access standpoint. Access plays the most important role here on this property. Yeah, for sure. Access is the key to hunting success. You you it's build off of that. Especially here. Yeah. The foundation of a successful property here is access. And, and you know, you're specifying here other places. It may not be if they have multiple options. Yeah. It's always something that is needed to be considered, but this one takes precedence based on the single um, access point and the topography. You have yeah. to build off of that limited resource, basically, for the property. If this property was hunted by one man during two months of the season, yeah, there would have been mo- more food plots put on the place. Okay. Yeah. Because... He wouldn't have to worry about going to the other side of the farm or doing this sort of thing because there's not going to be two guys walking to the west side, yeah. one guy walking to the southeast corner, and one guy walking up to the north side. And all of them either had to walk through or some of them walk through the food plot itself. Yeah. Basically, when you do that, you're creating a food plot to where two guys walk right through it and the other guy sits there and is just hoping the deer come back. It's an educational food plot. And yeah. not an educational from like a trial and error of, oh, I planned this. It's an educational yeah. from, I'm educating the deer. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, um, access, number one important thing on this place. Right. And so we're utilizing that main ridge. And, and there was a couple of spots where he had just had logging. So I'll mention okay. that. The north section, <clears throat> probably maybe 40 acres, maybe 20 acres. I, I can't, probably more closer to 20, had been logged pretty aggressively. Okay. Like, when we got to it, the the explanation started, and I love this. And, <laughs> yeah, and John's a great guy, so I can say this, and, like, we had a lot yeah. of humor in it. But um, we get there, and he's like, so, yeah, I had to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't have to sell it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. This looks terrible from an, as- from an aesthetic thing. Yeah. But it looks great for what our goals are. Sunlight to the ground. That's going to grow up real nice. Oh, real nice, Clark. And so – I'm like, just don't sell it to me. I, I've proof of this. Like, yeah. This is something that needed to be done. You found a logger that was crazy enough. I was gonna say to get on those slopes. How they? How, was it a skitter? Was I it a hand crew? And then to be perfectly honest with no you, idea. I have no idea how they did it. Some of these slopes just drug them all straight down. I think what they did was they cabled them. Yeah. Some of them and drug them up. It's impressive. It, I, you don't I, see many cable operations over here. I'm sure they had to pry that seed out of that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he told me that the guy cutting. Look at the little girl looking out there. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> Hi. We're, so Hi. we're in our backyard. My little girl's just woke up from her nap, and she's standing with the sun shining on her just as pretty as the morning <laughs> looking out there at us. Eating a box uh, from a box of raisins. <laughs> that's Hi. right. And so uh, basically um, he said the one guy was – was scared and didn't want to ride the skitter and the other guy was uh or at some point they formed this business because one guy was scared to drive the skitter and the other guy was scared to cut the trees and so one guy cuts the trees the other one runs the skitter um oh that's funny and so uh working to your strengths there yeah and so for this standpoint um they helped create access roads because of their skitter trails Mm -hmm. so on the north section and through the center of the property they helped create really good roads because they had to drag the logs out. Yeah. And so when they did that, um, they not only put improved the main road on the ridge, but they also, all these little elevator ridges that went off yeah, to the north. spines. They all had a nice road yeah. through them. Yeah. 
And so not only did they do that, but they helped clear out some of these areas when they were dragging it up. There was a lot of disturbance. So they replanted them in clover and wheat. Kind of told me that stuff's going to grow on this yeah. because there was green vegetation. And then they also um, helped us realize through looking looking through the property of just what we could see when it was managed appropriately. So, and I say that because access was improved. So now the main ridge, which had these little food plots, that was his question. Should I expand on these? Yeah. And it was like, no. In fact, we say I never food want plots, you to plant was, this uh, eight to a quarter of an acre okay. that were long, skinny across the top of the ridge that yep. was the main ridge right. going back to the back. Okay. And he had a couple of spots that were already food plots. Yep. And so um, he basically had three areas of food plot currently yep. with a couple of areas that the logging crew threw down a little mix Gotcha. That were kind of open, and his question was, "Should I create? Should I open Expand this up?" Expand and more permanent. Situation. And when he, if and by expanding, I'd say, when done and completed, he'd have a quarter to a half acre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other spots that he already had open were one was over an acre or close okay. to it, and the other one was you know half an acre. Gotcha. Neither one of them were at peak performance. Yeah. So automatically, in my head, is if, if you have limited acres. <clears throat> of yep. food plots and the ones you have are mediocre and we're talking about adding more let's just take the time labor money of doing that and make sure those that existing the openings are existing prime. openings are wonderful food plots yeah and so that's what the plan is maximize those one of them was getting had clover but had been encroached by cheat grass tall fescue and um, broom sedge. Those daggum grasses. Yeah. And so it did not. <laughs> it needed a soil test. We need to figure out what's going on there. So right. maximize the acre, open acres that you already have. Totally. totally. I've, I'm guilty of this. I've been guilty of this since I planted food plots. I think everybody is. You go, been. I want more food plots. But yet you don't spend the time to maximize what food plots you already have. Yeah, for sure. And so that's that's a really important one. Um, so instead of trying to add a ton of food plots right on the main ridge, which is what most of us would think about doing, we're going to make sure that that's our road access, and then we're going to maximize the food plots we already have. Because ultimately, if, if if food plots have been put into place on the only areas that could have you know supported a food plot, um, which would have been the areas now that have improved access you would have actually been going backwards on the limiting factor of the entire property, which was already stated to be exactly. access, period. So exactly. y- it was a move to, although while I mean food plots can be productive and, and attractive to certain areas, this would have really probably been more detrimental to the hunting aspect of the property. And, and one of the most common things that people would say to that is, well, why not just drive a four-wheeler and drop the guy off at the food plot and you drive on through? And I think we've been clear. We do not like the plan of of banking on somebody driving up, dropping us off, and coming back and running the deer out. Like, I don't, I've not seen it, and I've been on places where that was a pretty advocated practice. And I feel like over time of, like, the first night you see 10 deer, the second night you see 8 deer. And if you continue that, eventually you run out of deer moving during daylight on that part of the farm because they know the gig. I think I think it works. For does, yeah, and I think that that's great. Um, but I think for consistent 
mature buck movement, it's not a, um, let's say, a recipe for success. And so, right, you know, if you don't have to set up a farm in that manner, then don't because that's a lot of goal for a lot of people. So, like, what other – does that cover access? Yeah, access. Okay. So we'll touch – the whole thing is about access. Got it. Um, and then um, basically bedding. Yeah. When you think about – it's – we see this time and time again, but where's the young forest at? Where's the area that the deer are bedding in on a regular basis? And yeah. there's nothing. Right. There's there's not a place on it where it's like, this is where they're bedding. Or where it's like, oh, I don't want to, I got to be, I got to be careful of where I walk there because I'm going to bump a deer. There wasn't that anywhere where no. visually where you could see that was superior from a bedding quality. Standpoint. So the logging, which happened late last year. Yeah. That's going to be pretty good bedding. Uh-huh. Treetops scattered around, lots of vegetation is going to grow up. So when, when was that cut, you said? Last year. Okay, so it hadn't, hadn't Pre, fully Pre, like, late summer. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, treetops still, some of them laying, down, laying with leaves on them. Yep. Um, yep. And so How open was it? Pretty open. They probably cut it back to... 20% canopy? 20 to 40% canopy. Okay. So, and gotcha. even that is the biggest and thing we're going to address is return TSI or in this case FSI because it's going to be a long time before timber value is there. Um, and so he's just trying to manage for better habitat. So there was a lot of and trees that got north, left. A north slope too, right? To mixed. Okay. There's not there's a, really lot of, like, a lot of little ravines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there's I'm just thinking how much west. sunlight you was actually getting it'll, in on it'll some It'll be of these. mixed. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tulip poplar, some left, yep. uh, hickories left, elms left, a lot of ironwood in this loca- yep. in this part of the world, so we're going to make sure that it doesn't get dominated with ironwood or right. um, muscle wood. And then um, just try to release the oaks. And okay. so that's kind of the big plan for the areas that have been cut. Um, but addressing bedding, how do we define bedding? That's where, that's the name of the game on this place. Sure. How do you maximize these side slopes that you can't plant in a food plot, yep. you can't access them and successfully hunt them because the wind swirls? Well, let's play into the deer's game and make it even better bedding, or yeah. make, let's make it defined bedding that they can feel comfortable because the wind swirls. Nobody ever goes in there. And it's just right off the hill from a really good bottleneck or saddle in a ridge that you can get to. Yeah. So when sure. they stand up and they walk up the hill, you're yep. waiting on them. Yep. And so, and even if you are accessing that that road to walk, it's not like you're spending a great amount of time just standing. You're in a tree stand and the wind's blowing off yeah. the mountain and into the wild blue yonder. Yep. And so using that ridge instead of trying to make it something that's attracting the deer to come and stand and stay on let's use it as travel corridors and so um we're going to define bedding off some of those knolls um the little side slope knolls where we talk about a lot the wind swirls more on those because you've got basically (laughs) a little bit of an east a little bit of a north or a little bit of a west aspect or one of the other directions where you've got three different kind of directions off this little knoll. So if a deer beds there, thermals come up from all three sides, wind swirls, 
predator shows up, they can bound off almost any way to get out of there. Their topography hides them as they're bounding away, and it's advantageous to go downhill rather than uphill. So, yeah, yep. it, it works really well to cut those in. Just, and just doing the bedding thicket. What was – what was the timber composition there on that side? Was it was About it same hickory oak hickory um, with a mix of different? Was there much value on that side, or had it been cut in years? No, past? there was there was value. Okay, and and there's going to be some TSI over time, but right now he's got his hands full with the north slope, trying to yeah. make sure that we don't just let that grow up in crud. Sure. Um, and so let me count count my bedding thickets here one two three four five six seven eight nine ten ten bedding thickets uh, on about a hundred acres and these range from a quarter acre to a acre and a half well and you know some of those areas these points they're not going to be very big no that you're talking about i've got north slope um south slope south slope west slope south slope east slope north slope uh, north slope, south slope, west slope. So I've got all the different, all the different uh, directions for a slope. So, you know, during the course of a year, some of them are on kind of the points of these little ridges, these elevator ridges. So just in that options. one cut, they've got several options. But but right, I mean, some of these things, if 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 you're in that steep of topography, <clears throat> deer aren't going to bed on just sheer cliffs. Like no. they're going to be on the flattest spots, the little points, the little benches. Um, so they can't be, but so big again, the land has to, has to, um, support the, the size and locations of these cuts. Yep. But I'm, I'm guessing if there is topography, there's saddles connecting some of this stuff in a bench from here to there to that one that they might be able to hunt, um, to concentrate some deer movement from one to another. Yep. And so basically picture for simplicity's sake, a 20 mile highway or a five mile highway and it's just straight, and that's your access from your work to your work to your house. But on that highway, you know there's definitely places where deer cross more regularly. Yeah. So we're just taking those places where the deer cross more regularly and putting defined bedding on one side or both sides with uh, maybe some directional felling of trees to where we've taken that deer cross this spot on the highway and it shrunk it down to they cross this spot on the highway this more the only, regularly. This is the only place they cross. <laughs> and it's a 30-yard gap. Yeah. And yeah. so if they cross there, and they will. Killing. Killing you're, you're set and waiting on them. Right. And you have the ability to drive right on past that or walk right on past that uh, that area of crossing and go hunt the next one 100 yards down the ridge. Sure. And if you do this with multiple guys, you all have a pretty good chance of, of killing an killing deer or seeing deer because you've got bedding all down this in these valleys and side slopes so any of these little bottlenecks uh or saddles and ridges you're going to use them and i'm just getting started yeah like deer aren't really going to be naturally bedding on the ridge top no nope. anyhow i mean the, the, those little side they're, slopes they're where they want to be anyway right you're 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 putting them where they want to be so it's nothing that's like unnatural that's that's happening here on the property by going in and making these just that much better yep and so, ninety-eight percent of the property is timber. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, how much you, young forest? Yeah. In fact, got it, we got found a it. spot where a tree had been blown over in the last year or two. Right. And it was a <coughs> south-facing slope, like a little bit of a shelf, kind of one of those little knolls. Right. And there was two beds that had been utilized a lot. Yeah. Regularly. Dirt matted down, hair in them. Yeah. They'd been utilized pretty regularly. And and the odd thing about that is, 
side slope looking right at the ridge that is their main access ridge. Uh-huh. So it's just like, That's, okay, yep. there they go. I'm going this way today. Exactly. Like, oh, they're here on the property. So we're going to come And they didn't know that till we walked there. Right. And so right. it's like, all right, well, by doing the habitat work and laying out these bedding thickets, now we have a pretty good idea where the deer are bedding. Yeah. And it's not where they can see us. Oh, absolutely. And so that has just been one it's of the key. things that will really help them. And the other thing is, that main ridge has a lot of little elevator ridges. Yeah. And that's where those loggers were dragging the logs up, so they're already pretty open. So he's going to be able to, this is where I advocated doing these little, you know, take take the flat part of the ridge and go 50 yards long and clear that out. Plant your clover plot because nothing else is probably going to be able to withstand sure. the browsing pressure. Plant your clover, but it also allows you guys to use that main ridge, walk in, and they're they're predominantly rifle hunters, right? And so they'll be able to sit back a hundred yards, or fifty yards from this food plot, from one edge mm-hmm. and then the other end being a hundred yards, and see these saddles with bedding close to these food plots yep. and saddles, to where they'll basically just be like walking along and popping over the fence looking in your neighbor's yard right where that deer won't even know they're in the world and they'll be able to see a really good saddle that's probably naturally going to be a good hunting area enhanced with a food plot and really enhanced with bedding on both sides so you said like at the first they're they're not doing food plots but now on the elevator not on the ridge okay on the center ridge yep so clarification they're going on the elevator ridges yeah. off the main the main drag let's say of the and property. it's not really even one that you could technically a lot of guys probably wouldn't technically call a food plot because it's more of keeping the vegetation short so deer are you're able to see and shoot rather right, than right. let it grow back up and brush and so not really big food plots certainly not food plots so you're going to say i'm going to change the 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 size of the antlers on this place because i have food plots it's more about You've got a quick bite down. that's an attractive, yeah. slow them down and, and be able to harvest them if, if it's a deer of your choosing. Right. And I've got, I think, three of those laid out because that main ridge that runs through the property has three main ridges cutting off to the north. Right. And they all have little saddles, and you'll be able to set up on them, overlook them. Even with the bow, you have the ability to, to get well, in tight and... Yeah, I mean, and they're going to work up those ridges, you know, those elevator ridges that we see that time and time again. Yep. Especially, you know, bedding, elevator ridge, transition to the ridge top itself, then run that ridge or the top third of the the ridge itself. And that's where the majority of the deer activity is going to be. I I think, like, I was walking or working a a property that, um, oh gosh, it was about the same time. And it's very steep. It's not on the Missouri River breaks, but it's on the the edge of the Missouri like Ozark Plateau and then the Ozark Hills or mountains. Yeah. And there, there's like when you look at like the property, it's probably, it was probably 500, 550 acres. But there's a lot of places on that property that deer aren't going to walk. Like you're not going to be bumping deer at yeah on a daily basis because the one, the resources, the, not that it's tough to manage, uh, from the slope standpoint, but they're just not walking there. Yeah, like like they're like those deep deep ravines. They're not in them. They're, nope. Like you might find turkeys and bears and stuff utilizing the entire slope top to bottom, but but a deer, they're just not doing that. There's there's 
and, and steep topography portions of the property they're going to be on much more frequently than others just from the ability to, to traverse it. Take take habitat out of the game, even if it's poor stuff. They're going to be there because of thermals and easy ability to walk. Absolutely. So it, it changes the game when you manage it and you have limited access. You, you have to keep that in mind. It seems like from the bedding and then where those little elevator ridges and, and openings will be, they're going to be just be peering down into, like let's say, the the prime cut of the property yeah. where deer just going to naturally be at anyhow. One of the big things he said, too, um, was he would like to see more turkeys. And we discussed this. As he's like, turkeys are here a lot early in the spring, <coughs> and then they leave. Um, okay. And so it's basically as things grow up, now picture these little narrow ridges when Dense. in the spring before green up they're pretty open yeah. and they can move around but as green up happens it's like, like a, most a wall like narrow. most little four-wheeler trails on a ridge top yeah. it closes up into a tunnel yeah that is just like that's, a bear trap a turkey yeah. doesn't want to put their neck in yeah that's and cool. so he's going to cut these off he's got a skid steer that he can kind of work right. it up and clean it up to open these ridge tops up to where turkeys will feel more comfortable coming down yeah. and he, he mentioned it's a huge. hunt where he would call and turkey wouldn't gobble i'm like this says all the things about a turkey that says yeah. i'm not walking through that dark you alleyway expect me to do that yeah that that turkey went silent and may have dropped low and looped around but my gosh like there's some things you can't call turkey through and that's that those little narrow shoots with dense cover on both sides i mean it's it's it is it's a bear trap and, yeah. and, and it's just asking you know, way too much of a turkey. Yeah. Um, they're they're keen. They're <laughs> I not, was going to say they're, they're stupid, but, but they're not that stupid. Yeah, exactly. They they just aren't going to put themselves in quite that position um, yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. So, so I, I think when he implements the the bedding thickets and and kind of completely changes the access and the way they've been going about it, that's, the property is going to be hugely transformed. So yeah, I'm excited to hear the results and. Uh, Man, it's just it's that time of the year. We're starting to work with a lot of people again Woo. as we kick off consulting season. We've got a trip we got to do tomorrow. I've got another yep. consult on Wednesday. Um, Virginia, and then you're headed to Virginia for a I'll few be, days or a week, and I'll then be in Maryland for for one of those days, and come back. I know you've got another Missouri trip, and, and then, then I've Oklahoma. got Oklahoma, and I've got know, we're off to the races. North Carolina, so. Oklahoma, Texas. It's woo, it's coming, guys. We appreciate you listening. If you got any comments, questions, or topic i podcast topic ideas, shoot them over to our info at landandlegacy.tv or a message on Instagram or Facebook. And guys, thanks again. Thanks for everything. Happy New Year. We'll catch you next week. Next week. We'll see ya. Yeah.